interrupt this broadcast to bring you a revolution. Gotta give us what we want. Uh. Gotta give us what we need. Hey. <laughs> Our freedom of speech is freedom of death. We got to fight the powers that be. I am a revolutionary. And you're gonna have to keep on saying that. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now. I'm worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory. This is 91.7 The Edge, WSUW, and I'm your host, Kenny G. This is Stay Woke, and here at The Edge, we have partnered with UWWTV to bring you live on The Edge, a multimedia concert series. We're bringing you some of the best up-and-coming local music acts, so tune in at 8 p.m. every other Thursday for in-studio performances and interviews. So it's Wednesday, hump day, everybody's favorite, not really, but I am super excited about our topic today and our guest that we have in the studio because we are talking about a very important topic, the stigma of mental health in the black community, which people have talked about it. They've, you know, people have done radio shows like this one about it. They've, you know, had TV shows, but it kind of gets swept under the rug sometimes. And so I'm excited to have our very own Kentrell Washington, who's a student here at Whitewater. What year are you, Kentrell? Uh, I'm in my last semester. I'm a senior. So, yeah. Yours? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so, <laughs> nothing too big, nothing too major, you know. Uh, about to be a college graduate. Will you be first in your family, second, third? Uh, immediate family, first. Nice. Uh, as far as my cousins, I'll be the second. Second? Nice. Um, but as we always do, let's start with a stat. According to the Mental Health America.net, adult blacks are 20% more likely to report serious psychological distress than adult whites, and 63% of African Americans believe that depression is a personal weakness, while only 31% of African Americans believe that depression was a health problem. So you have this stigma that's probably existed since forever. So I wanted to know, I wanted to have you on, because how did you get involved in one, like having a passion for um, oh, there's multiple factors. Um, I am very uh, big on understanding the black struggle. Um, and I feel like a really big thing um, that's been really coming to the forefront of people who discuss issues when it comes to race and when it comes to black people, we've, a big thing that's been now brought up is mental health. Um, I guess that's a part of it that really put it in my mind. Um, and I've always thought about doing counseling and things like that. Uh, so that's why I'm going into mental, clinical mental health counseling. And it's so much, like I said, so much that puts it very personal to me, being that I am black. <laughs> um, and being that it affects me on a personal level as well. And honestly, I was already into it before I realized that it was like so close to home for me. You know, because I have people in my family, uh, you know, immediate family, more than one that deal with depression um, and general anxiety disorder. And I mean, like the people that deal with each of them are have been, you know, clinically mm-hmm. um, diagnosed with both of them, multiple people, um, you know what I'm saying, in my immediate family. So that's a, a big push. And, you know, there's even more issues that's going on within my family, and I'm not going to go deep into that right, right now. But, um, you know, the issues touch home, 
and that makes me even more driven about the uh, thing because it's so ignored and people are so undereducated on the on the subject. Right. And which is why I wanted to do the show, which makes you a perfect guest. So just going into some of the, well, I guess we can start with the history of the stigma in the black community really delves deep into what I was finding out as far as like blacks with healthcare professionals hasn't always been a steady relationship um, as far as them being mixed misdiagnosed due to prejudice and discrimination um, when you go to the Tuskegee um, experiments and stuff like that. And so yeah. that distrust has <laughs> been deeply rooted in the community and it's hard to tell them, hey, no, you know, you might want to get some help. You might want to seek help from these professionals when in the past it hasn't really done us any good. Yeah. Um, I mean, there there is a very rocky relationship um, in that history that's affected, definitely affected uh, black people in understanding health and seeking out health. And then in the past, you know, they weren't, like you said, they were misdiagnosed because of prejudice and all types of things. You know, some of the oldest things that they were diagnosed were terrible. Like, if we go back to slavery, have you ever heard of dreptomania? Say it again. Dreptomania? No, I don't think so. Oh, man. Um, best disease ever. <laughs> t- so, t- tell me about it a little bit. Uh, this is a mental health disease that they came up with at the time. That slaves who would try to escape multiple times were obviously sick because why would you leave this and try to run away? So wow. they didn't say the slaves who would run away constantly, they would diagnose them with dreptomania. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And this is how we talk about when, when we have the people, the powers that be that control. Uh, Things such as medicine, you know, they they go by what is going to benefit the powers that be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's not a clean history. Um, I remember reading about my Angelo, and she had an experience when she was younger going to a a doctor for something that was needed, and you know, she was there, and she was being treated, you know, very badly. And this that's not an individual experience that she shared. That was just one I happened to read in her book. I mean, that she just shared by herself. Um, you know, we still had to do back doors when we went to cl- clinics and stuff. That's what she had to do. She had to go to the back wow. door of the clinic, you know. And they were really hesitant to work with her even then, and it was something really important. So I think a lot of that comes from that, and as well as this idea, uh, the mythization of the mythization, uh, mythization of black people as being like these strong, persevering people. And I believe they are strong and persevering, but on a human level, not on this superhuman level where people think. There was actually a study done where they said that. Um, that test that asked people questions and they realized that white people thought that black people did not feel pain yeah or not yeah, pa- as I, much pain as yeah. white people and, and stuff like that and that's just like this idea that we're somehow superhuman that we cannot feel that we cannot um you know experience certain things because we are black and a lot of black people take that on as well and believe that that because we're black we don't experience these things you know i've had people tell me um that when they've they've gone to people they know about their depression issues or their cutting issues because i i swear cutting is one thing that we will not talk about in the black community at all self-cutting oh and i know multiple people who've done it you know wow and i know people who said they went to people and they're like oh you know that isn't that a white people thing you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's 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 what they assume. They assume that like we can't experience that, and this is within our community and outside of our community. Uh, and this idea of the superhuman black person that is a big, scary, strong person that somehow does not experience life the way others do. Yeah, uh, and in my research on this, 
just reading where it talks, <laughs> they gave some of the expressions that a lot of black people probably have heard growing up as far as, oh, well, our, if our ancestors can make it through slavery, then you can just make it through whatever little thing that you're going through. And black people internalize that and they really believe that, you know, if if we made it through slavery, that's everybody's favorite go to. Well, if your ancestors were able to make it through slavery and all things that they went through, you know, how can you how you can make it through, you know, what the little issues that we have today. And in turn, that that kind of perpetuates that stereotype of, oh, I, mental mental health isn't a real thing because. Slave, you know, through it somehow. Yeah, exactly. As if slaves didn't commit suicide, you know what I'm saying? Slaves are killing their own children to keep them out of slavery. You think that's powering through it? No, that's, you know, that's a form of, I don't want them to experience what I experience. I mean, and I was talking with somebody, and it's a form of autonomy and agency to be like, I'm going to take my child's life. And it's sad to say it that way, but it's like, I'm going to take my power, take my child's life because I don't want my child to experience it. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that, you know what I'm saying, they don't experience that. This is how slavery was, you know. It wasn't that they all powered through it. People committed suicide. When they brought them over on the boat, so many people jumped off that, those boats, you know. Mm-hmm. So many people were experiencing things within uh, slavery. It wasn't that everybody just suddenly was happy or, not, I mean, weren't, like, mentally ill in any way or form. I'm pretty sure with all the stressors they had of their day, right. um, they had to deal with it. And that, won't, that doesn't say that some people didn't power through, but some of them power through because they were threatened, like, oh, if you do something wild, then I'm going to kill your family, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Or I'm going to kill other slaves or others will be punished. But, you know, they experienced a lot of things. So to use that past and say, oh, they went through this and you should be able to know. Right. It hold, it <laughs> and then, like, I saw where, let's see, I found an article where it talked about uh, some of the problems with like treating African-Americans can be um, the physicians themselves and their cultural competency, I would say. Um, one article noted that black patients or patients of color have reported experiencing racism and microaggressions from therapists, such as dis- dismissing complaints of racial insensitivity in like, work settings. And so you have these physici- physicians that aren't really trained in, I guess, different cultures. And so... They don't understand certain microaggressions that people of color might experience, which in turn makes them f- dismiss it um, or make it seem trivial, which doesn't help people of color as they tr- try to go through their mental health state, which further <laughs> perpetuates that they're, oh, well, I can't seek help because they don't, they don't understand, which puts us right back in the same place. Yeah. And so it's important for people like you that are coming up and learning about different things to be in those positions to help, I believe, people of color um, because you are seeking out different resources. You know, you're here at Whitewater experiencing different cultures, not just the black culture, but Asian culture and um, Indian culture. So it's important for other people of color to get involved. But that's And that's one of the things. There aren't a lot of black psychiatrists or psychologists or counselors Mm-hmm. The numbers are extremely low, and so we have to do a better job as well of encouraging people to get in, get in these careers. And I don't know if there are any, you would speak more on, I don't know if there are like any barriers that people would experience as far as trying to uh, be employed by hospitals or anything. Could be some. I mean... I say it's it's most most likely multiple barriers. The stigma in itself is a barrier right there. You know, when we have the stigma of there being no need for it, 
thinking that, oh, I don't want to be, and I, and I, you know, I've spoken to one of my siblings and they were afraid to be viewed as quote unquote crazy, you know, because they were suffering from depression, you know, and this is someone she's open about her, her depression. Um, you know, they didn't want to be viewed as that. And like, when we talked about it, I'm like, this is nothing but an illness, just like, you know, anyone that would go to go to a doctor for anything else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we have this stigma, then that means that we're stigmatizing it, we're saying that there's no need for it, then people are not going to be looking for it. Right. So that in itself is a is probably the biggest barrier mm-hmm. because, you know, that, that creates, um, you know, an atmosphere of ignorance yeah. where we don't know and we don't think. You know, it's 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 often active ignorance. <laughs> you know, yeah. they don't think they 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 don't think that anything is wrong, so they don't go into the to it. And then when we talk about barriers beyond like going to be a counselor, you know, there's already job discrimination. That's a huge, you know, what I'm saying that's a huge thing. That's a huge hidden, visible thing that yeah. we have. We've we've done multiple studies, and we know job discrimination as far as race exists on a grand scale. They've done you know multiple, things in, yeah. multiple multiple studies. One took in place in, took place in Milwaukee where they realized that you know a white man of, you know, saying the same... Um, that has the same, like, resume. Same resume. resume yeah. To a black man, if he has a... Uh, if he has a felony on his record, he has just about the same chance of a black man without a felony on his record, you wow. know what I'm saying, to get a wow. job. And then a white man without a felony has a much superior chance than both. And a black man with a felony has a much, like, more inferior chance, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and, and imagine that. People want to say, oh, because they're a felony, they don't deserve it. I'm like, do we, do we realize that we're just pushing people back into the situation yeah. that got them into whatever. That's a whole other yes, discussion. That's, a, that's, a, <laughs> that's a whole other yes, discussion. Uh, so you know what I'm saying? There's a show. there's a lot of a lot of barriers uh, when it comes to that. We talk about job job um, again discrimination when we talk about hiring people and where are we placing them and uh, and all that. And you mentioned how people experience uh, discrimination from their uh, counterparts who are not of the same uh, of, of black descent you know, or African descent like they are, then we have to begin to talk about, like, what were they taught when they went through counseling? What is counseling? What is this, where are these schools? Because especially someone who's older. Like, if you're older, and I'm not saying old people are racist or nothing like that. What I'm saying is that uh, yeah, but what they went through and yeah. what they taught in school probably is completely different from what they teach new counselors because back then they didn't care. Exactly. You know, I'm not saying that they care as much as they – I mean, <laughs> I, I honestly, I think some, some places care, and I honestly personally think some places don't care. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But back then, most likely they did not care. Colleges did not care about teaching about, you know, black people in that way or form. So if it's like an old counselor, I can definitely picture some microaggressions coming from that. And, you know, microaggressions aren't always purpose on purpose, but they are very telling of a person, yeah. of our system, and of so many other things. So. so do you know what the top five barriers to treatment of depression in um, by African Americans is? Like, why the top five barriers that they, why they won't seek help? Do you know, do you know what they are? Um, I wouldn't know for sure. I can make guesses. Yeah, okay, so. Do you, you have them? Or? Yeah, I have okay. them. That's, okay, <laughs> that's okay, what I okay. <laughs> Fear of being looked at as crazy, quote-unquote. Um, the idea that they are strong and can push through and, they're, and people tell them that. Um, no knowledge of what is going mm-hmm. on with themselves because, you know, I think a lot of people deal with depression and don't know what they're dealing with mm-hmm. depression. They just kind of live their lives. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. And feel too. terrible. Um, let's see. 
uh, people who experience going to counselors, um, experience microaggressions and things such as that, so they don't want to go back to that after that. Um, let's see, that's four. My fifth. Um, the inability to find a counselor that's willing to deal with issues that you are dealing with. Hmm. That's five. That's my guess. All right. You're pretty close. Uh, I believe number one is denial, embarrassment, slash shame. Well, no, no, no. Denial. Denial is, is 40%. And then embarrassment slash shame is 38%, which is second. Got those two. So, um, and then third is don't want slash refuse help, which okay. is probably up big one, especially with um, black males. Then fourth is lack the money slash insurance. Ah. Yeah, that's yeah. like a big... And actually, that's one of the reasons I'm doing it. I don't know why I didn't <laughs> think of that. <laughs> like, I'm trying to be doing a nonprofit area where people can't afford it. I don't even nice. know why I didn't think about that when I was named it. But go ahead. And then tied at five is fear and lack of knowledge of treatment slash problem at 17%. Okay. So I with you, two. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you were pretty pretty close on there. One interesting thing I found, which is probably which I probably shouldn't have been shocked at, which is when you talk about mental health, especially in the black community, you have to talk about the church and what role they play in in this uh, stigma, because. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. I, there was a study done by the American Psychiatry Association that noted 85% of African Americans would describe themselves as fairly religious or religious and that their most common way to handle stress is through prayer. And, you know, I'm, I'm a religious person, you know, to be to full disclosure, but at the same time, it's a very thin line you have to walk with somebody's religion. And, and through all my research, it sh- the the biggest thing that they recommended was churches have to work with uh, mental health um, institutions in dispelling this this myth that you just pray through it and kind of putting the importance that seeking help isn't you're not you're not wrong for seeking help other than prayer or other than whatever God that you serve. But it's, but it's very hard. I don't think I don't think churches do enough uh, uh, converse. I don't think they have enough conversations about mental health in their congregations that would help them dispel this um, stigma at all. Hmm. Um, I mean, I have a lot of bias here. I'm not gonna lie. I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm not religious. Uh, I'm very secular in my own personal thing. But as far as it goes with the church and mental health, it's the whole pray over a thing that I really uh, have a a problem with. Because I understand that we want to have our beliefs and people feel good in doing what they do within their beliefs. And, you know, know, once you pray over it and if you feel better at the end of the day, you can say it's because of your belief and that feels good. But, you know, if you're dealing with serious depression or if you're dealing with schizophrenia or if you're dealing with, you know, uh, bipolar disorder or anything such as that, you know, praying is not going to always work. you know, it's a, it's, it can be a form of meditation for some people, but it won't always do much um, because, you know, it's, 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 and again, I'm secular, so I'm just saying this from my personal views. I don't view it as really being active or proactive in how it's going to help someone if they have, you know, off, off 
balance of neurotransmitters like dopamine or serotonin that you know that and that deals with your depression and stuff like that you know um and it was just i can think of like times where i've seen things happen within churches or like and i'm gonna give this like it's an, a story of something that happened in the church someone had gotten um attacked and i won't say exactly what happened to them but it was a it was a pretty messed up thing mm-hmm. and the church came to the point where they were like you know what this is what's wrong you know she's um she's um what's the word i'm looking for uh when someone is t- taken up possessed oh, okay possessed. they came to the conclusion that she was possessed when come to find out well i'm wow. gonna say it the person was raped you know oh, what i'm wow. saying and it's yeah. the conclusion yeah. they drew out of the person's yeah. actions and how they dealt with it you know yeah and that's that's very problematic when you don't look at what it actually may be and you go by what you think it might be based on your belief when you know your belief could very well be wrong because yeah, a lot of people wow. ignore stuff like that and think just pray over it and they have a lot of people who are you know who suffer women who suffer from domestic violence um, mm-hmm. problems and women are the most likely in this country to experience domestic violence problems uh, and they go and they talk to you know some of the clergymen and a lot of women that suffer from domestic violence suffer from depression and other issues such as that yeah. um, and they go to their clergy folk and they tell them stay with the person sometimes you know what I'm saying some, pla- some places will be like nah don't do it but some places will be like stay with them because this it says this in the Bible and this this not because the Bible does not say don't you know it, you know from what I've learned it was like the only thing that really you can leave someone who you're married to is if like they cheat on you adultery otherwise you know it doesn't say don't do this so a lot of people are very staunch and following it in that way and saying the Bible does not say this so don't do this so I mean it really it can really stifle um, progress in that way and people getting help yeah and you know by you saying. They, they they came to the conclusion that she was possessed. It just made me realize that another way that the church community can be a hindrance is if they're uneducated and then they're trying to mm-hmm. diagnose an individual and then you, in effect, putting their life in your hands by by making that diagnosis without saying, hey, this person is clearly suffering from something. I'm not a medical professional while I may be instrumental in her faith and her spirituality, I'm seeing something that might be deeper. Let me seek out the appropriate help. And I think a lot of times what people who are religious or whatever, I think the thing that they don't realize is, and I think about the, I believe it's the Jehovah's Witness that they don't accept like blood transfusions and things like that. And what I've always said is, if you, if you, whatever God you pray to, shouldn't you trust or ask that he send a, someone here, a resource here that would help you, you know what I mean? So it's not always, you can't, well, at least in, in the faith that I subscribe to, <laughs> you pray, but then you also understand that, that your God is using others to bless you. And so for you not to seek help would seem like, you're not trusting in the person and the guy that you're praying to, but it's it's interesting that the black community is its roots are so deep in the church 
and why and now that we know that it's so deep and it's it's been that way for years the clergyman as you said have to become educated on mental health yeah. and and play their role and so that they don't continue this stigma because the people that are sick are going to them first they're not going to a doctor yeah and so in essence if they're uneducated they're really playing the doc- the role of doctor without a license yeah. <laughs> without studying this <coughs> problem and so that's really interesting and another thing that i found was when we talk about mental health in like the black community and you know people say you, you got to be strong you power through and all this stuff what's really interesting and i think ironic is we all know racism is is real right that, mm-hmm. that's we don't i don't think that's a debate i would hope not it is a debate <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be whatever <laughs> i would hope that it, somebody wouldn't argue with me about this but so okay so we realized that and by by and large the black community experiences racism i think at a higher degree than others so that would mean they would experience a lot of as as my research found sadness hopelessness worthlessness because on a day-to-day basis they're being told hey your hair isn't good enough your your nose isn't good enough the way you speak isn't good enough and so you would think with all of the things that are against us that we would have some type of mental health issue because you have people that are, like you said earlier, felons that when they get out, they can't find a job, they can't get housing, they can't, in some states, can't vote. And so you, you're you going to experience something, whether it's depression or, or strong anger. or, And so it's important for us to say, it's okay. It's okay that you might have, and I wanted to ask you, how do you tell the difference? How would somebody tell the difference between just experience, just having a off day or just in a, as somebody say, having the blues versus actual like depression? Okay. Um, and I'm going to say this based off of like what I've learned um, about yeah. depression and mental illness. And um, I'm still, I'm not like, you know what I'm saying? I'm yeah, like, you're not a I'm licensed, not a licensed counselor, counselor, psychiatrist like or anything. Uh, but one thing that we talk about a lot in, um, like my psychology courses and just like places that I've read about it, it's not that uh, you just feel sad. It's not just that, you know what I'm saying? It's um, it's not just sadness. Honestly, sometimes it's a feeling of nothingness that some people may have. Some people may not feel anything at the time, um, and some people may feel very. Uh, I don't know. Just like there's no point to anything. It's it's a lot to it. Um, but also that it affects your life in a way. Uh, because you can be sad and you can go about your daily issues, but you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Later on, you'll be all right. And then the next day, you'll be all right. Next year, you'll be all right. You know, sadness is very, very uh, once in a while uh, and temporary often. Depression is an ongoing thing that affects your life. Uh, some people, depression affects them differently. I know some people who just like really don't have energy to do anything because, you know, a part of the thing that's in that uh, comes with depression is not some people don't have the certain neurotransmitters that make them feel good and feel inner, feel good about themselves and that help give them energy. So a lot of them just don't deal with it. I, you know what I'm saying? I've seen people sleep all day, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> because they just didn't feel it, and that's affecting their daily lives. So when it comes to mental illness, it's not just that you just feel it sometimes, but it's that it affects your life in a way that hinders you. Yeah. Um, 
to the point where like you may have suicidal thoughts that's a hindering thing mm. to the point where you may lose your job because you know you don't go in because you just don't feel like it every single day getting up and going to work um, and you feel so bad that you don't do it yeah um so you know it's 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 a uh, it's a lot that goes into it it's not just simple sadness i'm not saying simple sadness should not be looked at that's yeah. the thing we need to pay attention to because i don't think any i think anyone who goes to counseling whether you have mental illness or not you should go to counseling mm -hmm. um yeah you know, I think it's a very helpful thing for anyone. Um, but, uh, yeah. And I want to stress that when I speak about mental health and education and the stigma that I'm also not pushing for medication because I think in this country we have a tendency to over medicate people. And so what I'm pushing for is just educating oneself on what it is and whatever if you seek out holistic medicine and holistic ways to heal yourself that's you know perfectly fine um so i'm just preaching the education and just the awareness of that it exists and that it's okay to seek out help without being judged or looked upon as weak we're going to take a break but when we come back we're going to talk about the media role in in this stigma and some of the celebrities that have come out and spoke um, talked about this issue and also some of the ways in which we can increase awareness so stay tuned this is still hip-hop humbay stay woke right now let's see i have now they know yeah yeah hey to the second level how you want to do it homie i'm all up to the bone, I kill it, huh? Coming to break it down with that wiggity wiggity style, man. We really, 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 I don't miss it. So, God, no lie, hold oh, y'all. We bust rhymes, one round, no stop. Till the show dies, see the most high, so high. Get me so shocked, frozen face like old ties. Ain't no, ain't no, ain't no stars up in this tour. See the stars and my dogs, love to applaud of the faithful saints to endure. Chance winning the tour to France with no legs against lands. I'm seeing Mr. Ebersons ahead on Instagram, checking the selfie and hell freeze before I'm ashamed off in my elbow. Oh, really want to come see this beat 1313 get eight when I speak. I'm gonna say my piece, try to peace sign with some ball loaded chill if you can't see. Yeah, buddy, rolling so deep it ain't funny. My beliefs on the back of that money, and I promise I ain't frontin'. I'm just trying to jump up on the track and let them know what it. Yeah, buddy. Uptown be the place I put on for. Fake got me living risky like I'm gone for it on fourth and eleven. I ain't talking about them concords. Do you want more? Blake in the paint, I'm a bang for the cars. And it's shame be the lifestyle more than them tours. Oh, Lord. He coming back like an encore. You don't know. Now you know, boy. They ain't even know we was out here. They gonna find out what we bout here. Cause every day we a turn up. Yeah, lights out cause the sun up. I know you see. And now they know. Now they know. Say now they know. 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 Yeah. I'm done with her. So I'm so RMG, 
Light of the world when you look at me. Perfecting my king like you made me. Never cage me like Cujo. I'm off the lead. You gon' find a booth. It don't matter who you asking. Wow, wow, wow. Like a dungeon dragon. Doom, doom, doom. Hit a bass. We blasting. All up in your face. I'm not shame for the masses. Woo. I heard they needed to know. My whole crew spitting truth. Yeah, you needed it though. Hold up. Can't keep it close. That's cruel. It be cold like the heat was low. Hold up. Yeah, this is it. Your time, baby. Get up and show them you with us. What burn at the core like when you doing sit-ups. Unashamed. That's the message that we give them. I live it. To the day that I'm finished. Copy what he did and I'm still authentic. Winning. H time I sit it. Put it in the air. Let me know that you with it like man. Hold up. Unashamed with my gang. I told you. My aim. No pain. No scope, bro. In pain. My gang. His hope. Cause come on. You in. A-S-H-A-M-E-D. We be going in. Recognize a real squad when you see mine. Don't it seem odd that we live like the police guy? Press pause on the raw explicit. Unashamed of the truth, but unafraid. The living still afraid of the living, though I see my dough rise. One of those guys acting like nobody know guy like I do. Speak my peace, keep my peace, so I ain't gotta keep my peace. Peace, click, thick like a chain, try to take a leg about it. We ain't unashamed just because we rap about it. Nah, we unashamed cause we live it. I'm throwing up the real so they probably catch a feelings. Give it away, give it away now. Nah. nah, nah, that ain't it. I don't feel until I hear them how to. They ain't even know we was out here. They gon' find out what we bout here. Cause every day we a turn up. All day. Yeah. Lights out cause it's sun up. And now they know. Say now they know. Cause you the greatest 
Jesus gives me peace whenever I can't see Through my struggles, through my pain, through my tears He knows exactly what I need I don't have to fight because I win All I have to do is put all of my trust in Him When I'm at my end, that's where He begins That's the only way we win Didn't you know? Shoes on the left feet. Highway to hell, and we fighting for the best seat. No heart, 
bullets got no name. Little boys wanna bang, but them belly got your brain. Them belly got aim, but they shooting for nothing. They rob a sister of a brother for a couple of hundred. They thinking their life is cheap, but it's expensive as ever. They'll be sentenced to forever for them heartless endeavors. I try to tell them, but they like whatever. Too scared of being broke to think about being better. Plus we get bombarded by all these images of bravado. You ain't really a man if you don't follow these models, but the weakest ones follow. This wrong we can set up. You can forgive much if you understand you forgiven. Heavily loading my words with curses. Readily willing to flip that work and twerk that block community service. Y'all ready know how I do, brothers. Careful how I do, others. Social club that misfit gang and me and Marty them blues, brothers. Caddy riding, that's factual. Leathered up with that dude blowing. Feel me, brother, that's actual. Cause I'm blood bought and my crew knowing it's Fernie Fernie, my name known. Glorifying my father's dough. It's full ride with that social club, but we only spitting out proper flows. It's big pop of fern. No props or urns. Kill your flesh, resurrect with the father word. Uh, got it for cheap, salvation's free. But act now like the numbers on your TV screen, Fernie. Uh. Yo, I feel like when that the green Power Ranger, when he turned to the white one, it's about to get real majestic in the booth. Yeah, y'all can call me Nighthawk. Uh, yeah, uh, almost blew my brains out at 17. Fully loaded. 
up inside a classroom, I felt like I could never leave. But then I heard he came down to rescue me. I mean, he came down here for little me. Uh, so now when I look back, it's so bittersweet. Cause I went through hell and back for the kids who look like me. Social club, be the gang of kids, we own the street. Rocking Converse because the Jordans are too much for me. Even if you hate it by the world and that's the way it seems. There's more of us than them, the movement is insanity. <laughs> Back on the edge, Kenny G and Ken Trill in the studio, and we're discussing mental health. And it's the stigma in the black community and why it continues even into 2016. We are still battling this stereotype of being strong and the strong, even the strong black woman. That's still a, a stereotype that just won't go away. Oh, you're a strong black woman. You can make it through anything. And before... We went on break. I promised you guys that we would talk about the media and what role they play, which is the media is actually it's an interesting topic because it in any discussion you have, you can almost bring up the media just about anything. And you were mentioning, I think you mentioned something earlier about the portrayal or it was something you said that that jogged my memory about uh, mental health in the in the media and when I was looking it up they talked about even they said the the white female is like the the voice or the face of mental health because every time you see any portrayal it's it's that white female in those shows or it's you know they they, they put up a couple of different shows it's like you know you have that show monk where the guy has um like a OCD or whatever and only recently have black people really been shown mental health and someone struggling with mental health and that's with the show Empire which has I believe the main character Andre who has bipolar and even in that show they were they were trying to break down those stigmas because they show where the parents were like they were just dismissing like boy nothing wrong with you you'd be fine and then he had a voice coach or a and she like tried to you know pray with them for the perpetuating that stereotype that you can pray it away and of course he was still struggling and then of course you have c- celebrities that have recently come out to talk about <coughs> mental health i posted a story on my facebook page facebook.com backslash black radio 11 where just recently the basketball player delante west who used to play for the cavaliers with lebron james he was found wandering, I think it was like a restaurant, Jack in the Box or something, and he had like a hospital gown on under some clothes and he didn't have any shoes on. And so a fan saw him, took a picture, and clearly he was out of it. His eyes were like closed. He was holding a drink. He was like, aren't you Delonte West? And he was like, yeah, but I'm not about that life anymore. And, of course, it went viral because it's Delonte West and he was pretty known, but as my memory served me right, I believe he suffered with bipolar disorder. And so to kind of exploit him and put those pictures up, it just goes to show, you know, people, they don't take mental health seriously, especially in the black community. That's not a joke to post this man who's clearly probably in a state of 
not being either he maybe he just got out of the hospital or I don't know maybe he's not medicated I don't know what what his situation would be but to make it seem as if oh look at look at and then one of the um, articles said you know he made 16 million dollars and this is what has happened to him well that's <laughs> if you don't know the story of if of, of his struggle and if you're not pointing out the things that he's dealing with that's so insensitive I mean, look at Fifty Tyson. Remember Fifty Tyson? No. 50 you don't remember Tyson? him? No. He wasn't actual like he wasn't like a famous famous person, but he gained, he became internet famous and he would do this rap like I ain't gonna lie, man. I'm Fifty Tyson, and it was this kid, and everybody's like joking and throwing him around. And he had autism. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And people are making fun of that. And then there's a couple Facebook famous people. Yeah. Who um who have some either a physical or you know what I'm saying mental disorder or physical uh, thing. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like a impairment or... Um, yeah, and people, you know what I'm saying, joke about it, like the psych got him. Yeah. Like people laugh about him, you know what I'm saying? And, I mean, it's cute and kind of funny, whatever, but, you know, they're not. most of the jokes aren't about what he said. They're about how he looks. Right, yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're laughing at him, not really with, with him. him. Yeah. Which is... Um, which hurts the the stigma as well. Yeah, so let's talk about you brought up the basketball player. Let's talk about Lamar Odom. Right. And how they treated him. And they're like, oh, let's make jokes about how he was with prostitutes and how he was doing drugs and da da da. But nobody talked about the fact that he went through a lot. I believe he like lost some family members. Uh, he has an unbelievable story if you ever want to look his story up. And he kind of suffered depression. Like, he lost his mom early, and then his dad was on drugs. And, um,. And then he just recently lost his best best friend um, to drugs, and then another friend to drugs right after. Mm-hmm. And then of course, and then he lost his um, nine month nine month old son to see it as well. Mm-hmm. So he's experienced a lot of loss, and exactly. probably have probably has suffered with triggers. a lot of depression. Yeah, that triggers depression uh, because you know what I'm saying. If somebody has the, um, you know, the what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, if you are more inclined to it, especially yeah. if it's genetic, yeah. when things like that happen, that brings that out, um, you know, and that could be what happened with Omar. And then people are making jokes about it because um, the uh, Kardashian, one of the, the girl he was with, she went back to him and they're like, oh, she went back to him and they made a joke saying, first man that drugs women and that I brought, brought his woman back. The thing was, like, I understand why she did it if she actually like didn't do it for like publicity but it was like people that have that sometimes they need social connections Mm -hmm. um so you know what i'm saying if she actually did it for that reason i respect it all you know for the fact that she's trying to help him um but you know what i'm saying people was joking about it and that's not funny yeah that's you know what i'm saying we don't we don't we ignore a lot of it there's so many people there was don imus who supposedly was uh dealing with depression remember don yeah he died dealing with depression do you know slum village uh, I feel like. Do you know what Jay, D- Jay Dilla is? Yeah, yeah. Jay, D- Jay Dilla came from Slum Village. Well, one of the people in Slum Village, Batem, died, and he was dealing with bipolar um, disorder and schizophrenia and depression. Wow. So, you know what I'm saying? That wasn't discussed when he yeah. died. And, and even the actress, Maya. Wow, why am I forgetting her last name? But she was on In the House with, with L. Kuja, and she was like a viral star for all the wrong reasons because she. Maya Campbell, that's her name. Her, her mom was a famous author, B.B. Moore Campbell, and she was on drugs. But it, it, there is reason to believe that she suffered, I believe, from like bipolar um, and 
it was so sad the videos that they would post and knowing that this young girl was actually in pain and and had mental health issues and we just and we watch and we encourage and we laugh and we don't understand the lasting impact that we kind of create on the world with this stigma in the black community about mental health and instead of creating a conversation about it we create a joke a meme mm-hmm. that's that's the it thing to create a meme and uh I'm the the football player that was just uh Brandon Marshall he's been really big on talking about bipolar disorder and mental health and we need more celebrities like him to cuz a lot of people it's a personal thing mental health is a very personal issue and so a lot of people don't really want to talk about that in the media because it puts you in a precarious situation because you're looking at employers may not want to hire you if they know you have a mental health issues. Even here in housing, mm, there you know there are some things you don't want to, if you're trying to get a job as an RA or front desk, like there are some things you don't want to disclose because you might feel that you're not going to be hired on because they know that about you, which mm-hmm. once again perpetuates the, the stereotype of not seeking out help. Yeah. Mm. Really quick before we get out of here, talk about your nonprofit that you eventually want to do and what's your goal with <coughs> that. In. Okay. Um, so uh, right now I'm looking at the master's programs. Uh, so far I've interviewed at Whitewater, and uh, I'm waiting to hear back from a couple other schools about interviews, and I plan to go into clinical mental health counseling. Uh, personal and I told the reasons why I want to do it and partially because I've been through counseling myself uh, individual and group counseling uh, really interactive group counseling which is what I really want to do Okay. Uh, really active really getting them to move around use acting use other types of uh, therapy all mixed in one uh, so we have time to talk we have time to act out experiences we've had and some of them may be triggering experiences and that kind of is the point for you to face those experiences Yeah. Um, things such as that um, you know, and you can you don't have to do everything, but we encourage during during the counseling they would counseling they would encourage that you do it. Um, it's just what we say is feel our emphasis is feeling safe, uh, but not feeling comfortable because people can feel uncomfortable, and you always feel uncomfortable when you face stuff like this. Yeah. But it's more so important that you feel safe. Um, so that's a big emphasis I want to learn to do, and I want to go into first working in community. Uh, health clinics to hire therapists and counselors and work from there and then I want to uh, start going into high schools on my own nice. uh, accord uh, and not working for the high school itself but kind of seeing if they because high schools what happens in uh, with nonprofits is if you don't know much about like youth-based nonprofits a lot of them uh, kind of create a partnership with schools I worked for one for a long time they did it I worked in an elementary school but I worked for the nonprofit and not for the school um, and they do like the after school programs and things such as that. I want to do something like that, but I want it to be like group counseling and come maybe once or twice a week with uh, my group. And that's like how I want to start out. And after that, hopefully snowball into becoming a bigger movement, having more people and networking with other counselors and whatnot uh, that want to do similar work, working with uh, youth of color uh, in impoverished situations and whatnot um, on dealing with a lot of their issues because a lot of them don't have time to do that. Yeah. Um, and they don't have the money to do that, the resources, the understanding. So I really want to make it something like that to where uh, it's not just like 
to the point where I'm doing also after school programming, but within that, like doing counseling, one on, whether we have one on one counseling or group therapy. Uh, so we can begin to work that because, you know, I think one of the most revolutionary things anyone can do is work on themselves. And a lot of people yeah. live their lives without doing that. A lot of people, you know, <laughs> good people, bad people. <laughs> a lot of people live their entire lives without working on who they are inside. Um, and I don't want say good people. I would say healthy people and people who perform non-healthy things. Um, so I really want to be a part of that revolution um, of the self-help, self-care. Because I think once you start to do that, uh, you can begin to work towards so many more things in your life. And you feel you feel better as you do you feel more content um in what you do that sounds excellent and the fact that you want to reach out to the youth is really big because if you get the if you get them young and you break that stigma early then it's just it really helps as far as the community to grow um together to learn about the importance of mental health and so starting early elementary high school is big and being able to educate those students and then they'll go home and educate their parents who probably st- will still hold some of those same stereotypes and they'll be able to say hey mom this is what I learned about my mental health and self-help and self-care so I'm gonna be rooting for you man uh, <laughs> I got some, I got some revolutions I'm trying to be a part of too so maybe we can uh, combine and help some folks out mm-hmm. I want to thank Kentrell again for coming through and Talking about the stigma of mental health in the black community. You're most definitely welcome. I want to thank you for having me. I appreciate that. And it's it's an important topic, so I would encourage anybody to seek out resources as far as if you want to learn more about it. You know, if you don't have insurance that would cover it, just seeking out resources in your area that might be able to help you is also important. You can find any of the articles or facts that I talked about today on my Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Black Radio 11 or Twitter at Serving Christ 11. Also, look for the show on iTunes or the under the podcast app or under any Android or iPhone podcast app that you have. Look for 91.7 The Edge, WSUW. As always, make yesterday jealous by working harder today and give love even in the darkest times. Up next, DJ Special K is going to continue Hip Hop Hump Day with the old school and new school. So stay tuned or call and request something. We always got the lines here open. The phone number in the studio is 262-472-1312. So call DJ Special K. Tell him to play some, some hits that you want to hear. Stay tuned. <laughs>